Hello and welcome again to the Strange Brew Podcast. My name's Jason Barnard and that was Glenn Matlock and won't put the brakes on me from his new album, Good To Go. I'm talking to Glenn again because he has that new album out coming out shortly and I'd also like to touch base on a few things we didn't get a chance to speak about last time. So let's go into our podcast with Glenn. It's, uh, yeah, it's great to speak to you, Glenn. We uh, spoke about 18 months ago um, in the run-up to your evening with tour, which I understand was uh, really successful. Well, it had its moment, yes. Towards the end of that podcast, you were, you were talking about your new album. So uh, so obviously, uh had to catch up with you uh, and, and kind of talk to you about that album and, and as well as just fill in a, a couple of gaps uh, from that podcast, if that works for you. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Go far away, far away. So, won't put the brakes on me. It seems to have a bit of a theme with tracks that that you've written and involved with, you know, since the Pistols, in that it's kind of raising things that you may not like or want to overcome, but in a positive way. Is that something you recognise? And I think so. You know, I think there are lots of songs, and I'm not the only person. I'm, I'm a, an admirer, but don't tell him Pete Wiley, and he had an album that's called Songs of Strength heartbreak but i like to turn it around the songs of heartbreak and strength you know through overcoming the the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune that life throws at you and it's, it's just the way of coping it you know and then at my age you know i'm still I don't know if I'm, as i said already so this making this kind of near the last one of his first packet today um as a fiddle but you know, it's very ageist era, and it's, you struggle. You know, unless you're everybody, my, all my contemporaries I see who are doing all right, they're still doing the same band that they were known for when they were coming out of their teens. And anybody who's trying to do something outside of that struggles. That people kind of conspire against you. And I, I just, I don't want to do it. But um, you know, life doesn't always fall into the right. Thing, and then we've done a Pistols thing, or we've done a Rixley's thing, but I just, I write songs all the time, and you want to get them out, and it's having them taken that bit more seriously than people want to give you immediate credit for. I don't expect people to love all my stuff just like that, but it's when they kind of put you in this little kind of pocket, you know, where it's like, oh, well, he's not really going to do anything, and that gets my goat, and it makes me try harder. Mm. So I think that's what that song's about, really. You know, everybody's trying to put a break on me, and no, you're not going to, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah, and uh, there's another song, uh, Speak Too Soon, which it's still got that sort of acoustic rock sound that, you, that you've kind of defined now, but certainly in the melody and structure, it, it does seem to be a bit of a, a departure from what you usually do. Well, hopefully it is, yeah. I mean, there's no point doing the same old thing all the time. You know, my music's supposed to be all modern, you know, when it's electronic and stuff. But I think you can still write a catchy song. You know, with a lyric of some kind of consequence. But allude to lots of other things. I mean, to me, that's got a bit of Spanish Island going into it. There is a rose in Spanish I like that stuff, you know. I wanted to incorporate that in it. Yeah, you picked up on the acoustic thing. I've been doing loads of acoustic shows. And the band I selected, as well as being mates, that kind of bring a different feel to it. You know, the drummer on most of the tracks, not all of them, but most of them is Slim Jim Panton from the Stray Cats, who's got like half a drum kit, you know, and he swings when he plays. Then he suggested using El Slick, who is over here. I've got some shows coming up starting Monday. 
and he's over here to start rehearsing. And that's the one I was telling him that there's some Perrier in the fridge. I picked him up from Heathrow Airport this morning. Oh, brilliant. <laughs> but he's got, you know, and he's got a pretty wacky way of playing guitar. I like a really simple song and then throw it to the guys and then see what you come up with. You know, and that's the musical experiment kind of stuff. I mean, there's a couple of tracks on the album. Well, I think Speak Too Soon, the guitars are a bit sort of atonal, some of it deliberately. So there's another one called um, the bluesy one, um, Hooking You. You know, and he's playing E-bow and it's a bluesy kind of stomp thing. But Al plays guitar like you would have to be doing when he was playing Heroes Live, you know. It was, yeah. it was started off with an acoustic thing.
so I'm up for some kind of exploration musically, but um, you know, there you go. Even just going back to the Richards, there was a song, strange one, and I had written the song, and I didn't turn up the studio one day, and I think I was fed up hanging around. So they they actually changed the song around, and it's still the song I wrote, but the Nick Ronson took the drums off it, and they did all these loops and things, and then I came back and made some suggestions, and it, I like that, you know. Maybe you can do a little bit too. Little, little sometimes, you know, when you do a demo, and these days you do a demo at home and you do all the bits yourself, and then it won't be exactly like that. And that's a trap that you've got to avoid falling into. So now what I do, I just tend to write a song on acoustic guitar and go and play it to the boats and see what they come up with, you know.
Bill Slick's guitar playing is so good. I mean, you know, tracks like Sexy Beast, I mean, that... Well, that, that, so, that solo he mm. does, isn't it? It was just one take, and he said, should I do it again? No, no, that's good. <laughs> yeah. And he just managed the right kind of thing. You know, lots of English guitarists, when, when you play, and you say, I'll oh, put a bit of lead in the verse, they'll play where the, the singing is. And you've got to go, no, no, look, I sing this bit, and then you, then you play, and they go, all right, and then they still a little bit, and then they play over both bits. Whereas L just automatically listens to what you're doing mm. most of the time, and which I kind of dig, you know. The the sort of lyrical theme of Sexy Beast again, it's kind of got that that underlying positivity and you know trying to get what you want and yeah, I yeah, but I just thought you know it's, it's called Sexy Beast, but I think it's a an illusory kind of title. It's a bit of fun, but it's also kind of sort of manning up a, a little bit, really, you know. And, and um, grasp the situation. I think that's what's kind of going in, on in the song. You know, there's a subtext to it, really. Yeah, I mean, we what's going on in our lives and the kind of way I was feeling. But I mean, that was probably written a couple of years ago yet now, you know, so...
how far does these songs date back? Are they all written about the set around the same time, or do they, do they have a span? Well, I mean, the album album was recorded a couple of years back, so they was most of them were written over a period of a year and a bit before then. But then there's one mm. song on it called Wanderlust, which is a really old song, but it had never come out. It was never quite right. And then the I only got that recently, you know, to change it from being major to kind of a bit more bluesy and minor. And I thought, actually, this kind of fits in with what I'm doing, you know, and that's one of the last, I mean, to me, that's a rewrite of Roadrunner by Junior Balker and the All-Stars, not <laughs> John from Richmond. Yeah, I'm a Roadrunner, It's that kind of thing going on. But then the song like, Won't Put the Brakes on Me, uh, keep on pushing. I'd written them since we recorded the, the main bulk of the album. And I just thought they kind of topped and tailed. And in the first one, you know, it starts with ladies and gentlemen gather around. Basically, I just wanted the song to play live, you know, <laughs> trying to get everybody into it. Right, ladies and gentlemen, um, you know.
the album's got, and I think this is a song that you you, you do play live, and I want to play the original version. Uh, it's uh, Scott Walk, Walker and Montague Terrace. I mean, what amazing song, and you do a great version as well. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, yeah no, I was pleased. I mean, we only did that one because when we was in the studio, we was doing it in Rhinebeck, upstate New York, and this is a really kind of cool spot up the Hudson Valley. And it was recording, and Slim Jimmy either broke a stick or he broke the snare skin or something like that. And then we were just larking around playing that song, which I've been doing live for a while. And they all said, what's that? And I said, well, this is Scott Walker's song. And he said, oh, I've got a bit for it. Can we do it? So we had a, you know, Jim put his skin on. And I could see in the corner of the studio, there was a, a pair of timpani drums, you know, castle drums. And he was eyeing them. I went, go on then. <laughs> so he started... And they all built it up. <laughs> but if you listen to the original, it's all strings. And I normally joke when I play it live. I say, well, you know, Scott Walker did this with his fantastic dark brown baritone sexy voice. 76 piece orchestra. And there's me and my acoustic that I'm going to do it anyway. You know, and, and I do. But it's, um, I kind of do it because I, I, I really like Jack Brell, as, as a lot of people do um and i came to him for david bowie you know the port of amsterdam and um mm. when i was a kid there was a tv program called sunday night at the london palladium and there was a bloke who used to do that everybody would do in the makito pub which is if you go away in english and and then also i liked a band called the sensational alex harley band and they did a song called of his called next oh which, brilliant um which is about a bloke in a foreign legion who's a virgin and he's in the queue for the mobile army whole house that comes around and all these things are going through. It's a pretty heavy duty song, right? Yeah. But I always thought, how well, do people know that Jacques Brel's songs were any good or not? You know, because he's, he was threatened with Belgian, but he's not in French. And then I found an album and it did what it says on the tin. Scott Walker sings Jack Brown, and all the songs were in English. And thinking about it, Dave Bowie must have known all about Scott Walker, and he must have listened yeah. to it. And then, you know, I knew Scott Walker a bit, um, mainly his kind of hits and things, although I did hear on a John Peel show when I was a young man a song called The Electrician, ah, which is about a, a torturer, you know. Um, so there was a lot more going on there. And then I sort of looked into them a bit more and I found that song. And it's like Scott Walker trying to write a Jack Brown song and succeeded, ad- succeeded admirably, you know. So that's kind of why I did it, really. And it's quite funny, you know, when you see the sort of punks, big, sort of big berry punks and low heathens <laughs> all paying attention and digging it. I, I like that. Mm. It's putting the cat amongst the pigeons somehow, you know. Mm. So. Well, it's the lyrics that give it the edge. Well, yeah, and I think that, in a way, it's almost a punk song. You know, it's a big ballad, but it's the words that, that make it count. But, but the orchestration he does is fantastic, and I think it's got the best dynamic on it, but his version, on any song recorded ever, you know, it's just creeps along and then what when the chorus comes in. And I think we didn't do it too bad, and I don't know if you, you like the version. It's not bad for guitar, bass, and drums, you know. So. Yeah, those timpani kind of really gives it that that atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. But they're a bit hard to cut around from gig to gig. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can imagine. So I was I was miffed actually. That was over early on this year, or last year. I found out too late that they'd be doing all these people who are kind of hit, you know, Jarvis Cocker and ah, McCarvey, yeah. and I like them. They did a um, 
uh, uh, Jack Verrill kind of tribute thing somewhere. It was an orchestra, and I would have loved to have done that one, but there you go, missed the boat. The little clocks stop ticking now. We're swallowed in the stomach room The only sound to tear the night Comes from the man upstairs His bloated, belching figure stops He may crash through the ceiling soon The window sees trees cry from cold And claw the moon But we know, don't we? And girl across the hall makes love Her thoughts lay cold like shattered stone Her thighs are full of tales to tell Of all the nights she's known Your eyes ignite like cold blue fire The sense of secrets everywhere A fist filled with illusions Clutches all our cares But we know play the original version um small faces all or nothing but i think that's a song that you you do live and I, i'm assuming that the small faces stroke faces were a massive influence on you yeah very much so you know and i think i'm the luckiest bloke in the world i mean it's quite a long while ago now but i actually got to play in the faces and it was the band that i used to stand in front of the mirror when i was trying to learn a guitar printing and i was in them when I was about 13, 14, miming along to stay with me. 
And then the last gig they ever did was the Faces, and it was almost the Faces. It was Ronnie Wood, Kenny Jones, Ian McGagan. Mm. But Rod Stewart didn't do it for whatever reason, and Mick Hutton did it, and he was really good because I was always a great rock band with a soul singer, and that's what Mick Hutton was. And we had the Anasuji Festival in Japan in front of 50,000 people, so it was kind of, you know, came full circle, really. Um, that was good. Why I've never recorded all, and I think I don't know why, but maybe you don't need to because it's such a superlative version anyway, you know. You know, and the bass playing, and it's so simple, and the every note counts what he does, it's great, you know. Boom, boom, and then the second verse, he sort of boom, boom. It's great, Ronnie Lane was a great bass player, he's just really in the pocket. Um, so I like that, but I do it because the lyric is a great sentiment, you know, or nothing. Let's kind of just go for it. And that's trying to be a bit of a yardstick for my life career. And, and on top of that, you know, lots of punks who come to shows also kind of, sort of pick up on the mod kind of thing as well. So.
there's a couple of uh, pistols tracks that I didn't get a chance to, to cover last time. And uh, the first one, if that's okay, is Submission. And I want to play the, uh, the the demo version. I think it was got released on the Spunk release. But the, the interesting thing about that, I understand, Submission, is that that was a collaboration with John Ware, which was relatively harmonious. Yeah, and it was like, it's the only song that we sat down and wrote together. And what happened was, it was... This was like really early days, and he was rehearsing underneath the roundhouse in Camden, and Stephen Paul never turned up. So we hung around for a bit, and then we went over to the pub, and John said to me, have you seen Malcolm? And I said, yeah. And he said, what's he up to? I said, not a lot. And I said, oh, well, he's had an idea for a song, Submission. And John went, what, all about bondage and domination and all that rubbish? <laughs> and I went, yeah. And I can't remember which one of us said it, but it's we said, no, we've, how about a submarine mission? <laughs> <laughs> and we just sat there and traded line. You know, John had one line, I had the next line, or the other way around. And we wrote it on a piece of paper, and I went home that night and wrote some calls, which is not that different from how I love you. Um, the next time we asked to show the band, I said, it goes like that. Um, I like it, but I think it's too long. It needed editing somewhere. But what is good about that version is that Steve Jones overdubbed a kettle and all the bubble noises it didn't blow into a kettle, an electric kettle but it wasn't plugged in <laughs>
Brilliant. Uh, there's, uh, there's a track that we played last time, but it was the version by Zach Stark in I Want to Play, the uh, the Sex Pistols version. It's uh, Problems. Um, I, I don't think I've heard you talk about Problems uh, much. Is, was that more of a group effort in terms of the, the writing of that one? Well, I, I think that song is the only group effort one. Right. And what happened was we, was, uh, we used to have our own rehearsal place and we used to meet up pretty much every day. No you know, get a whole bunch of work done, but at least we could get have a play and find out if anybody had an idea or not. And at this particular rehearsal, nobody had an idea at all. And I just started playing that riff, you know, boom, 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 And then Steve had a put, so we put that in, Paul had a drum beat, and John had some words. And that was it, you know. That actually came from a jam session. That's the way I remember it.
uh, we talked about the, the song Born Running uh, last time around, but I, I want to talk about a track from that album and it's Somewhere Somehow. That's another song that I think you also perform live. Can you tell me about the sort of origins of writing that song? And that song actually was the last thing I did with Steve New. I knew he overdubbed the guitar around my oh. house. And he, was, and he was pretty ill and I kept trying to him, give him a stop and he, uh, and he had that. I had the original riff, kind of thing that goes on in the verse, and then he had some other bit. Yeah, obviously. Mm, mm. But I like it. I think it's got a bit of an epic kind of quality, and and it's um, I don't know. I think it's quite an up. Mm. Um, what's the word? Oh, I don't know. So it's today. Um. It's got that amphemic positivity again. Uh, yeah, yeah. Simple as that, really, you know.
last track I want to play is, is uh, obviously from uh, Good To Go, and that's Hook In You. And we, we talked about that briefly earlier, but that's got more of a blues element, and that does seem the reoccurring theme on a few tracks. Yeah, I, I think the blues is an un, untapped vein these days. Well, having said that, oh, we said had a little play earlier on. I mean, he's just got off the plane this morning, but he's been doing quite a lot guesting with Buddy Guy. He's like a oh. 78 year old blues man, you know. So, these gigs we've got coming up, this, the place has got a little bit of a blues edge to it, and I thought I'd do the more bluesy ones. I might do that song of my ambition, like on the album. Um, but I do like a kind of a, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I like the blues, but not, you know, not 12 bar blues. This is a bit, it's good if you can jam, but as for a bass player or a rhythm guitar player, they're a bit boring. So I like to change. I like to change the um, the chord sequence around a little bit more. But also, I'm a big fan of Screaming Jay Hawkins. So in a way, that song is a, is a bit of a tribute to Screaming Jay Hawkins. And there's more of a little bit in it. I don't like much of their stuff, but there's a band called In Excess, or there was a band, Michael Hutchinson's band, and there's a track called The Loved One that Chris Thomas produced there from their Kick album. And I love it. And it's kind of got an element of all that in it somehow. Yeah. Did you work with Chris, or, or was was that after you left Sex Pistols? No, he did, he did Anakin in the UK. Yeah, was the first time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then he did the album, but it was after I left, you know. But then, he, but then we worked together again when we filled for League of Life. Chris Thomas ah. did that. And I like I like Chris. He's sort of really enthusiastic about you know he does get the best out of people somehow. So. Uh, Good to go is 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 released on uh, August the twenty fourth, and and you're still uh, you know touring as much as ever. And are you going over to is it Scandinavia? You're going as well in the next month. I got some dates in Scandinavia early September. Straight after these dates, I got a boys Dales in Canary Wharf. I'm going to Mumbai or Bombay, as it used to be called. I've died oh. with this Indian guy earlier on in the year in Italy of all places, and he's got an Italian band. He's pretty good. He's called Aluri. Um, I co-produced a track oh. for him, and we got on fine. And he said, "Would would you come to Bombay and do something, do like a double header thing?" So I said, "Yeah, why not?" You know, and I, I like doing things like that. I was I don't know, it's probably on my press release, but um, I was in Korea three weeks ago. I played a gig on the. Oh yeah, that was kind of interesting, and um, I played with some Korean people, and they were really good actually. It was a band called Crying Nut, who were supposed to be a punk band, but were not, but they sort of had a spirit. And there was another guy called Cha Cha, who who's an artist in his own right. And he wants me to buy on his next record. He's just made a new one. He sent me a track. It's fantastic. It's got all these strings. It's it sounds like um, the production's a bit like um, Phil Spector kind of thing. Yeah, and it's kind of weird. For, and then these Korean vocals come in. But good, you know. And and I did that song. Just me and him did. Um, speak too soon and I'd really like to do that song live but when it's just me I can't do the guitar lick and sing it because it goes all the way through so he just learned that bit and he goes ah oh, yeah it sounds to me like you need guitar sound like, like surf punk <laughs> alright then and he's, he's like the Paul Weller of Korea but he was good so we did that and then he's like I just like doing things like that it's interesting you know and then we're trying to set up some more shows if I get some good reviews on it, the albums and play and then I've just been offered the number seven or in Norway, and I've been offered a show in North Wales actually in, in September. Oh, 
kind of more things. Mm. Uh, Port Maddox. And then they can put me up in Port Marion, you know, the, the, the prison of the film. And I've yeah. always wanted to go there. You know, like India, I've always wanted to go there. I, I, I seem to think of, I, I always want to go there. And somebody offered me a gig there, so I actually get paid to go to where people spend good money to go and <laughs> So I'm not complaining. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, what a, what a great album, and I, I really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, it was. You, you like it, yeah. Yeah. It was really worth uh, waiting for because um, it's had a bit of a build-up and it's it's definitely long-awaited and it's great to be able to play quite a number of tracks on, on the show today. So thank you. And let's uh, play Hooking You. Good man. Thank you. Nice one. All right. Real pleasure, Glenn. Thank you. Take care. All right. Fine. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Yeah. See you. Thanks, bye. All right. Bye.
Thank you for listening to the Strange Brew Podcast. If you do like the show, please consider supporting me on Patreon. Patrons get access to unedited interviews as they're done, news, plus even access to my exclusive interview archive. All your support goes into keeping the show running and moving forward and getting amazing guests. To support me, just go to patreon.com forward slash strangebrewpod or go to the strangebrew.co.uk forward slash about. Thanks very much and any reviews on your podcasting services are greatly appreciated. Thank you.